welcome to Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three dungeon masters who've been doing this for way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Tony. You're my soul and my inspiration. You're all I got to get me by. You're my soul and my inspiration. Without you, baby, what good am I? What good am I? Dude, Bill Medley. deep. Bill Medley had one of the deepest voices for a skinny white dude I've ever heard in my life. So there you go, Righteous Brothers. That's and that it. is DM Dave singing You Are My Soul and Inspiration. I mean, that was no Al Green, but it was still good. Yeah, you got, got deep. You, 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 I heard you digging those notes out right down in the okay, belly. Yeah, yeah, right out of the basement. Right out of the basement. <laughs> That's a great segue into today's episode. Because what we're going to talk about today is PC motivation. And so help me if you are a DM who has not run into a problem with getting your PCs to do what you want them to do or just anything constructive because you can't seem to find something they want or something to motivate them, you're very lucky because this is a problem all of us have run into at one time or another. You've built the dungeon. You've got the town to save. All you need is for the PCs to go do the thing or sometimes do anything if you're improving like me. What do you want to do? What motivates your players? That's what we're talking about today. How do you motivate your PCs and your players to get out there and take on the quest or just build their own quest? How do you drive them forward and create that motivation in your games? Do the thing. Do the thing. Do it. It doesn't even need to be the thing. You just need them to want something. It's like, okay, just tell me what you guys want. And that'll be there. And it's still sometimes you get like a lukewarm, lukewarm motivation sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, but I think that's kind of the, the whole crux of the issue. Do you want to read the listener comment before we just launch into this? Actually, this didn't come from a listener comment. No, this totally came from a listener comment, didn't it? No. No. No, not, not this one specifically. He was just like, hey, how about this? To be honest uh, with you, where this one came from was I saw someone, I saw uh, one of the Twitter uh, influencers talking about Storm King's Thunder. And I can't remember the name, which which one it was off the top of my head. But he was doing a whole breakdown. How I destroyed it? Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 it was not about you, but he was reading through Storm King's Thunder, and he mentioned PCs need something they care about, someone they're invested in and care about in order to want to do the thing. And he felt like Storm King's Thunder was light on that. You know what? We also found that. I think, I think it was Justin Alexander might be the might be the Twitter person, the, the Twitter personality who was talking about it. But we ran into that problem in our Storm King's Thunder. You know, it was Absolutely. like— why don't we just skip to the end and just get over there? Well, we have other things we want to do. Do we? Does the, does my character want to do those things? And so that's what actually made me think about this in the first place and why I think it's worth talking about. Because I think on the one hand, it can be hard to motivate players. On the other hand, sometimes the DM's expectation of what the players will want to do is different from what actually drives the players on. And I think you can have a miscommunication there sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, have you run into this? And kind of how do you try to handle it? Well, specifically for Storm King's Thunder, I realized that, and I'm like, okay, no problem. Hold my beer, crack my knuckles. Time for a complicated plot development. And, <laughs> and that mostly worked. A lot of tie-ins to the players, but I think on the original way it was phrased while we're kicking this around was, was the problem of the mysterious cave. And that is there's this, this cave out there, 
the players are walking by it, and why aren't they going to go in the cave? Like, you put this there, it's the edge of the forest, you clear the forest, there's the cave. Nope, walking right on by and I'm leaving. And I think Thorne touched on this, the problem that surrounds it is, if that happens, the players don't feel there's anything in the cave that they want. Mm. And, you know, Tony, part of the reason I brought this up is because of some of the things you've said about things like things like a cave type situation, but also like save the town. Like, oh, I've built, you come back to your town, your town is being attacked by goblins. And the players are like, well, I don't want to go there. Why would I want to go there? They're being attacked by goblins. I leave, I go somewhere else. You, don't you want to save the town? Nope, not my business. They're being attacked by goblins. That was a scenario uh, I went through with my girlfriend when I was teaching her uh, in the beginning <laughs> stages. And I'm like, well, you know, an example of good character, if we're talking character good is, you know, if you came back and your town was being attacked by goblins, you want to save them. And she'd be like, no, no, I don't. And, you know, and then Dave pointed out, like, stop, you don't get the, the uh, in the alignment conversation early in, in teaching someone. And that's actually, I put that in my article. It's, um, a, it's absolutely <laughs> true. You never do that. You never do that. But we're learning I'll, things here. I'll say, I'll though, this a- is a, even a design issue that I've seen come out from people. Obviously, this one Twitter user was doing it with Storm Kings, but I've heard this be one of the biggest complaints of Descent into Avernus. So the adventure where you're going into hell and you're fighting with uh, a, a, Zach, a, a Zachriel, Azariel, I forget the angel's name that became the Azazel, you hack Azazel. No, I don't think it's, I think it's a different, anyway, regardless. But, you know, you got the hell engines in there, you got the different la- layers of hell, all that great the problem is, is the town, quote unquote, that you're supposed to save. You have literally no connection to whatsoever. There's no connection built into it. And you're literally just thrown in and be like, hey, save this town. And everyone's like, why? I'm going to leave hell instead because <laughs> it's hot. Right. So there's even points where when they're designing the, the adventures themselves for the published products that they run into this same issue. Yeah. And Tony, you've talked about it before, too, having players who aren't playing good characters who don't want to go find out what's wrong in the town. Like even the game we played, the one that had um, with the evil with the evil characters where you were like, oh, there's all this like, you know, there's these there's these weird killings going on in town. There's you're you're at home and there's literally riots going on outside. You want to go see what's going on. And us as players, we're like, no. We got our own things to do. We don't care. This town. Yeah, burn the city. That's fine. Leave my house alone and I won't kill everyone here. <laughs> that is the one of the core problems with RPGs, many of them in general, because I made this joke. I will take any quest. Like I am the Patrick Stewart of quests. You can't get I mean, if you throw it out there, I'm taking it. Not because I have great <laughs> acting skills, because I'll take anything. Because that's the whole point. Things occur on quests. You get gold, experience, items, plot movements, anything that hypothetically you could be interested in, spells, meeting a key NPC, triggering an event. But if you, if your players don't think that any of these things are going to occur from this, then no, they'll walk by the cave. It's just a stupid cave with a bunch of monsters to grind through and meaningless treasure they don't need. See, Tony as a player is like Leto Atreides. We are House Atreides. We will answer any call. No, it's absolutely What happened true. to Leto? He got led into yeah. an ambush and killed. It's absolutely yes, he true. had oh, an adventure there, but he wound up dead. What I will say, too, that's great because having Tony in, in some of my games now, I have totally yeah. seen this. 
uh, where he's the one saying, okay, we got to go do the thing. And he'll do it in character and he'll play it up and all of that, but very much a let's move the football person, both behind the DM screen and then on the other side of it too. But I will say a lot of this is going to come down to what the players are after, like we're saying. And there are pros and cons to both approach because there was a level I have found in the Strahd campaign where I was trying more for the tone and to build out some story and even mystery and things and do we really want to go there? And Hawk was like, nope, we're we're going to go there. So we going to, we going there now, you know, and like there would be some like some role play happening or some uh, some discussions amongst players about, well, what should we do and what are what are our goals, let's say. And he'd be like, well, we're we're going to go go get the dragon skull and we're going to do that. And then we're going to go kill Strahd. I mean, that's what we're doing. Like, you know, and it was this very straightforward approach, which is awesome in terms of getting the football moved. But depending on what the rest of your party makeup looks like there, you know, so there are pros and cons to both, both sides of this thing. I think. Well, is, have we mentioned another approach yet? Like, what do you see as the other approach? I don't think we've really kind of gone into, I have an idea of how I approach it. It's a little different, but we haven't talked about it yet. Zoig Scoop, I don't want to go. I mean, we get well, some of that. And we do get some of that. And we'll you have that. You have that. And depending on the party and, and its makeup, you'll have just the I don't want to do any of those things. That's a good question, you know, because it's much more of a of a feeling that I think I was having with some of it. And we've had great sessions in Strahd. So it's not a con in the way of like, oh, geez, this was really a black mark on it. But I'm just looking at it in that vein where you have the person who says, let's let's do the thing all the time. So it's almost like there's no there's no fear. Yeah, like there's, ah, there's no fear in Barovia. That's, that's what it. it. That's where it is. That's probably what it is, to tell you the which, truth. Yeah, which is what I actually it actually goes back to the comment I made about Tony being kind of the, the Lido Atreides. Right. We will t- we, we will we will answer every call and Lido gets killed. But, <laughs> but if Leader doesn't get killed, then Atreides is awesome in the movies. Like, and they can just always say yes to everything. Yeah. <laughs> We're going in. So he I do think the Padishah Emperor. Like, that's it. He's it. That's it. But so, and I do think, but at the same time, I do think Hulk has driven us into a lot of things in that game we've had uh-huh. a lot of fun with. Uh-huh. But there is, like, that is kind of the other side is, well, clearly, Hulk's not afraid of getting killed. If you do crank up the fear, you get something a little different out of the players. I think we see some of that in Woodstock Wanderers sometimes, definitely in Call of Cthulhu sometimes, where the players are like, "Yeah, I went crazy last time. I'm let's you know, no, we're going past this. We're floor it. Yeah, screams in the woods. No, don't care. Hit the gas pedal." Well, there is a little complicated, different dynamic because yeah. in Call of Cthulhu, and as much as I am enjoying the system, it punishes you for searching and investigating. Don't look <laughs> in that book. You don't want to scratch your eyes out. So, if you, know. you yeah, if you play the game, you'll die. Like that's the that's the whole thing. And you're like, bait, like that's cool, but then I'm dead. Like I don't. <laughs> it's self-limiting, right? It's self-limiting. Yeah, so, but you'll <laughs> die having learned the truth. Ah, ah, thank God. Which is another player motivation. Some player and some characters are motivated by that. Some of Tony's characters have been. We talked about Alhazred, the one who followed the books and, Mm. you know, became the Larval Mage and eventually, you know, did find his way to a lot of power because he looked at these scary books people told him not to touch. And he's like, hmm, I'm already reading it. That's nice. Thanks for the warning. I'm on chapter six right now. Did you know this could happen? Oh, my God. Like, I mean... 
there that's a, that is a way of motivating players some players and some characters are motivated by just seeing what's going to happen some players are motivated by we have to go do the thing because i'm here to do i'm here to play a role-playing game and if i don't go on an adventure i'm not playing a role-playing game so i'm taking your adventure hooks well, i think my answer here is going to surprise you dave because the environment is tougher in a lot of respects than normal because magic is so scarce so what am i doing we're searching everything I came from a DM school, a player school, where you the last thing at the end of a module you're going to hear is, oh, my God, you guys missed so much. That is such a kick and whatever genitals you have. I don't <laughs> want to be that player. I want to rip through the floorboards. I want to find everything. We're going to confront Strahd with all this stuff. Even if we haven't found that one thing that I know is in the module, we have no <laughs> idea where it is. And we're not going to have time to attune to it's, it. And it's a disaster. It's there. It's in there. there. It's in there. Uh, that is a good point, though, Tone, too, because what are we looking at there? It's what you just said. You have someone who has come from an experienced background and played through a ton of games. So their understanding of what motivation is and why is going to change drastically from, I think, let's say, maybe newer players or more casual players. Right. Or even maybe some experienced players, too, who, oh, I've seen this, whatever. Show me something new like we've talked about. But. Some of it could be just the experience behind the screen. And then, like we've said, you're kind of helping along because you know what drives the story is not just the guy or the girl behind the screen, but all the people sitting at the table. You know, and Tony and, and all of you actually have been very good in that with the Strahd game. So, well, Phineas, is well, a lot of my characters are very self-motivated. Uh, Zhang was probably the one that was the least self-motivated going into the adventure. But Phineas has reason he wants to go fuck with Strahd. Yeah. Like that's in his backstory. Zhang, on the other hand, who was the who was the, uh, the the goblin samurai, he was following his lord. He was he was doing his lord's bidding, but at the same time, he's a little more like, all right, I did that. This that part's done. I checked on the thing. Let's just skip to the end and move on, and I can go move on with my life. So it's different characters. Mm. Mm. And that is one thing that's different a little bit about the way I approach the game. I think a lot of players approach the game is you you need to know your character as a player. And the DM needs to put something out there that motivates that character. And for a lot of characters, I know a lot of the characters I'm playing, the fact that the that the mysterious cave is there is not a good enough reason for them to abandon whatever their existing backstory motivation is and go search that cave. It's like, oh, I the agree. cave's there. It's like, yeah, but I got a job to do. So, so the cave I agree. can be. I agree. Um, and, but in those situations, and this is my big question, whenever someone talks about, oh, I can't motivate the players, players don't want to go into this, don't want to do that, why aren't you just throwing money at them? <laughs> because it's <'Cause>, not politics <laughs> well but here's the thing right? i mean okay wah, so i'm thinking of it from, from first level right i almost always think about how woodstock wanderer started and the other campaign in that area started the same way there was a reward involved the mayor of the town said look we're missing people out here where people are being kidnapped there's this going on you go out there and i'm going to give you more money than you guys have had yet to go solve this thing and come back to me which granted by the time you get back to him level 18 or so is not going to seem like so much money anymore <laughs> when you come back and he's like here's your 500 gold reward and you're like level and, and you are epic level and like 500 gold is like what you buy a toothpick with these oh, days we're taking your town as well thank you but <laughs> here's why i think that works though because almost all adventurers start out as essentially 18 year olds with no money you have just enough to buy your starting equipment or to get your starting equipment role play wise any character, almost any character except like a noble, should be motivated by by money. 
just like a just like an 18 year old humanist. Oh, yeah, I, there's I don't want to do these things. Oh, but you're offering me 300 bucks to go do it. Well, I guess I'll go do it. You know, it's it's I think that's a good motivation for especially for early level players. No, I think it's a great motivation. Uh, and it's the one that's used the most often. Right. Is that, oh, here's a here's an easy. Could you help me out with this job? I'll pay you some money or I'll give you something, whatever it might be. It's even more so if you can tie it in with why these people are, because you know me, I really try very much like Tony does to tie in the character to what's happening. So I really try to hook them into the adventure from what they're giving me or who they are, or at least what's happening at the table. Like for instance, with Frostmaiden, I didn't have back, I didn't have backstory really with any of the people at the yeah. table because they were all brand new. So I wasn't going to be like, okay, give me your backstory. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Right? <laughs> so I built in some stuff and then we started the role play. And as that was happening, there was this back and forth and I was able to pull them into that so that they were then motivated to go out and do this. Oh, this simple job, we get a little bit of money and then it turns into this whole thing. But yeah, money is still involved always. Well, to me, it just seems like that is the answer in most of these cases, right? Why would we want to go check out the cave? Well, if you really want to go check out the cave, have a wizard offer them a thousand gold pieces to go check out the cave. That like only if, works if you have things for them to buy. True. Um, no, no, I get what he's saying. That's okay. true. Like, for instance, okay. right now, with uh, we just created new characters for what's going to be our Tomb of Annihilation playthrough. Woo! I am playing, yeah, that's Dave's brother's Chris is going to be running this one. I'm playing an artificer goblin, Bixie the Boom Goblin. Real quick, yeah. real quick. I just realized this because you said goblin bugbear because bug goblin samurai because bugbears are goblinoids. You oh, now playing, are you yeah. playing through all of the goblinoids as we no. go through? Are you waiting for the hobgoblin playable race or something? No, I, 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 I played magic for a lot of years. And exploding goblins is a thing in magic. Okay. okay. All right. That's why I'm playing Bixie the Boom Goblin. Because okay. the goblins, they like to have, they like to build cannons that generally do as much damage to them as they do to other people. There's goblin bombers, goblin grenadiers. All right. Goblin cannon, good. which literally shoots a goblin at your enemies. All right. This makes a lot more sense now. Yes. Because yeah, no, no, all is, goblinoids between yeah. Jango and Bixie. But for instance, Bixie, so he's, he's proficient in four different tools. But he can't afford four different tools because they're all like 50 bucks each. He would love to buy some alchemist fire. He can't afford the alchemist fire yet because that's even more expensive. He'd love yeah. to buy gunpowder and bombs. Bombs are 150 gold or pieces. Or like D&D poor. Yeah, big time. Yeah. I you know, him. so it's like he has things he wants to spend money on and he doesn't have money. So if you offer him, hey, go do this thing and I'm going to give you guys 500 gold, he'd be on it because he has goals he can reach with money. And I guess that is what it comes down to. You need well, that. Think about that Beam. too, right? No, Beam isn't, but yeah. Beam's very nature as a character is going to be, I'm going to do the thing because I'm going to shoehorn it into it's where my God has placed me. So like my okay. own character motivation, much like Phineas, right, is going to drive that. So I, I'm not, I'm not, you don't have to worry about my motivation with that character, but that's a good point with the money too, because with level one, you get a little bit of money from like your background, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit of money. And we talked about, well, you could take the starting equipment or you could roll out your money, but also still not a lot of money. So by design, they're starting you D&D &D poor. So you need to go out and get some fucking money, right? Yeah. So exactly. So people start offering your money like, yeah, I mean, I guess I could do the thing. I mean, it's, I just got to take this pack over there. I'm sure nothing will happen. In normal economy scenarios, though, that is a short-term 
kind of fix for your the way to drive the players. I mean, really, in, in Ravenloft, if you said there's no money in Ravenloft, it literally wouldn't have changed how the game went. In yeah. fact, I was annoyed when we found this treasure. I'm like, great, all this stupid <laughs> crap. Why do I have to have all these coins with Strahd's visage imprinted on them? What the fuck is yeah. this? I, I've got uh, a, a handy uh, haversack packed with platinum coins, and that's what I'm taking out of Ravenloft. That, other than my actual stuff, that's it. I don't care about all the other crap, the pots, the helmets. It's a good point, though, right? Because with with Strahd, because it's a literally a half-character run, right? You're running to 10th, 11th, 12th level, depending. Like, so yeah, you'll bring stuff out of Barovia that you get, but by that point, like, what the hell, man? I'm already, like, I'm already making a new character somewhere because, so, yeah. So it's a, that's a, the adventure itself has to create a different level of motivation, right? The motivation there was very adversarially based because he came out, and it wasn't even thinly veiled. He showed up, He's like, I'm cool with everybody. I beat you up. I bit the gnome. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm gone. And there is obviously a showdown going to happen at the end. It's yeah. part of Phineas's backstory. We know the way to either out of Ravenloft or to the next phase, the next arc, whatever we're doing, is going through Strahd's castle and through him. There is no realistic I'm sure we got the real shit ass ending and reason with them. But like, yes, Strahd, we'd love to work with you. Um, <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what poor man hero version of the ending that would have looked like. But um, I will say, Tony, that's a good point. And I think that's that changes it, too. We've talked a lot about session zero here and we've started to really play it a lot. We we did a session, a full on real session zero for Tomb where we literally rolled out characters together and we did a little bit of a tiny, you know, adventure thing just to kind of play with them. And that's important because what we did with Strahd was, I like we said before, I had you guys vote on out of four campaigns, let's say, what would you want to play in? And the majority of people said Strahd. So it's like the mysterious cave and no one wants to go into. But if you have said, we're going to do the campaign called the mysterious cave, they're all going to fucking go in it because, <laughs> you know, like That's if you true. play Tomb of Annihilation, you're probably going to try to seek out the tomb and whatever the hell that thing is on the front cover. If you don't already know that it's the, the Star Wars, <laughs> right? But like, obviously, we got to fight this guy because he's right on the cover, you know, <laughs> the storm. <laughs> one of the most. I think I'm going to fight giants somewhere, so I should probably bring some motivation for that with my character. So that changes it a little bit, too, if you are understanding what the players if they're understanding what they're coming into right from the beginning but that conflict with strahd mm -hmm. was part of the motivation because yeah. in a low magic world his powers were undefined it wasn't like you know we fought him again and we beat him up and he got away no that didn't happen so his how he was set in his power was a great mystery and i feel like you have to sell that to make that work. Not just like, oh, I'm expecting him. He, he's uh, He's got eight hit dice. <laughs> you know, like, no. You have no idea what you'd be dealing with. He could be a slightly tougher than usual vampire, or he could be literally Vlad the Impaler. Let's find <laughs> out. Yeah, he's somewhere Vlad in between. Nice word of his Vlad the Impaler. He's somewhere in between. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like we've hit two good issues there that I kind of want to 
want want, want to focus on a little more. One, you mentioned, okay, so if you're going to use money as a motivation, you have to have things to to buy that keeps going up the chain. That is absolutely true. Like if you're going to want, if you're going to keep money, if you plan to use money as a main motivation throughout your campaign, you might want to be somewhere like Eberron or something where there is a lot of cool stuff they can keep buying. Certain characters, you're always going to have something they want to buy. Like for instance, real quick, I'm sorry. I just want to know, like, I I want to know copyright wise, like, is there any way we could get like the clip of Jerry Maguire where they're doing the show me the money thing to play like right now for the <laughs> listeners? Like what, how long can we play that before we're like in violation? If we could find that out, that would be great. I'm sorry. YouTube keep, keep instantaneously. Go ahead. You could just, just do it. Just, show me show the money. Show me the money. I was laughing so hard in the theater during that part. I'm great. sorry. Continue. Show great. me the money. Um, but it's just like, you do need to have some stuff they can buy up on. Now, some characters have things they can, some characters have things that naturally pull them forward. If you have a wizard with access to a wizard school or library, that's charging them to learn new spells. That wizard is always going to need money to buy new spells. Nothing they'll need it necessarily, but like, it's like, okay, you get two when you level up. Oh, and you can go, if you have enough gold, you can go buy five more. Like, so you have a way to kind of, to give him something to keep buying hmm. warriors and martial classes. It can take a while to get your full plate plus to get your full plate, you know? So like that gives them something to want to buy. The problem is all of these charismatic middle classes that don't really need to buy anything like warlocks. <laughs> I got to say, Phineas is going to use his money on wine, women and song every time. He's got nothing else he wants. You He's know? Got already. Yeah. He'll buy a chateau at some point where he can throw wild parties. That's Phineas will blow his money on parties. That's not going to drive that much adventure. I have to admit priest you know maybe they got a tithe or something the armor thing but you do need to give those stuff they can buy you can i think a good way to do that is to build up into property as well though followers let them hire things let them do things but you kind of need players who are interested in doing that there's plenty of players who are like yeah i don't want a home base this gives me more thing i have to worry about just keep me adventuring and then yeah so then then that is kind of the limits on that's kind of the box right you can do use money as a motivator up to this point and once you're outside of that box you need something else. You need the attachment and the other things. I'm just hoping by that point in the game, you put enough of that in there where it's running itself, right? I mean, the character's not going to the Mysterious Cave at level 12. You just need to, like, tell them the bad guy's in there. Like, something well, you need to the I mean, <laughs> by, level, by level 12, you feel like they probably, you know, started to tease out some of the, the major players of yeah. what's happening in their world. And they're, they are now, it's like we talked about last week with Towns, right? If you're talking about your starting town, that's one thing. If you're talking about in the middle of the campaign, well, that's a completely different yeah. scenario. So by level 12, you already know who your who your bands are, and you probably already have your your goals set as to what you're trying to get at and, and do and what you need to achieve that. Yeah, I mean, Tony, in your games, you've put together plenty of things for, for players to buy that can keep them motivated. I wanted to get that Animata rifle from the first time we saw it at, like, level three. And that was the point. And yes. I like to try to throw out intentionally a whole bunch of different potential motivations, whether that's uh, money so you could start saving up to get that really cool item in that the preposterously powerful wizard has in his shop that there's no way you could steal. You'd be better. It'd be better, it's easier to buy it than to fight all of his minions to steal something out of there. <laughs> or are, are you trying to move the football in terms of the plot? Are you uh, trying to develop your own character's power? You're putting together a theme. Are you trying to unlock parts of your own backstory? And honestly, I'm not going to be sure about what's working for you in that character in this game. So I kind of got to throw out a bunch and see who picks up what. 
Yeah, which you did, which you did. And I definitely, yeah. uh, I'm like I was saying earlier, it's the same way with me. I'm constantly wanting to throw things out to try to hook players in to see what are they getting motivated by and try to throw that in so that they are invested in it, so that their yeah. character, so that they feel like they're important in the story. It matters and they're helping to craft it. It's a lot like gifts because the hippopotamus. If, no, no, you're an awesome Woo! hippopotamus, but Woo! you will be deli- you will be debuted at another time. <laughs> it, it's like Christmas or birthday gifts. If you hang out with your friends and you listen to them throughout the year, including their jokes, you'll get an idea of what they want. They'll they'll, they'll reveal it all to you. And not at first. You come into a game right from the get go. Maybe you don't know. You're at that dry start. But once the game's going on, they're like, oh, man, we really uh, we're right there. And like in between the levels, you know, they're chopping at the fifth level up. The, you know, a certain player has an, an item that's on their mind. Well, I'm not going to give it to them this game, but maybe we get to all, you know, in a couple of sessions, there'll be a chance if they want to do this extra thing to get it. They're going to kind of create and mold the story by their needs. It's totally true. So we've said it before with that. They're going to tell you exactly what they want to stay motivated you know and then and then it's up to them still it's not just a matter of us just giving things away until are you are you happy now can you hear me now it's not (laughs) that but there is a level of that give and take and i think that was a great point with the gift stony with a t i i thought we were going for the new hippopotamus race but anyway um (laughs) sorry teddy i'm really excited just i think we got it we we, we dropped it up hence yeah so so dave I built D- D- Dave's character in the game with uh, Bixie the Boom Goblin is yeah Roosevelt the GIF. He's a big game hunter. He goes by the nickname Teddy. He hasn't really let that on to the party yet, but he and Bixie, being the non-humanoids, uh, kind of hit it off. I feel like right in the first, right in the first. Uh, Both obsessed with answer. firearms. Yeah, yeah I do carry a musket. Uh, yeah. We kind of forced Chris's hands into, you're allowing firearms, right? <laughs> but we can't afford them yet. So they get yeah, the money motivation. So I, have like some, I have some beat-ass flintlock pistol that I made myself out of like rubber bands and shit. But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Just money and artificers. That's all I need. That's it. So what George Washington's dad used, but it's a, that's fine. It's a good point, right? Because... Thorin is motivated by he has all of these abilities as an artificer, but he needs a certain amount of money or materials or experience to do that. So he's going to go try to seek that out. You know, Roosevelt has certain motivations, but he's also involved with firearms and they're not plentiful in the world. I can't just go to the general store and buy a blunderbuss. Right. So I'm, in essence, having to craft these things. So I'm going to have to learn how to do that better and buy the materials and find bullets. You know, Tony's character is is motivated by finding as many wise Confucius like statements as possible, you know, so he's going to be on a hunt. For those, you know, through that is Tony's character, Ryu the monk. Yeah, Ryukin, Ryukin, Ryukin the monk. <laughs> and for anybody who may pick up on who this character actually is, his art I used for his token is Toki from Fist or, or Star. So if you know who I'm talking about, you're awesome. But so throw that out there. Because <laughs> I, I unfortunately don't, and I'm thinking it's some uh, like an anime character. Yes. That's correct, yes. Okay, yeah, unfortunately, well, I Isn't don't. it also a Street Fighter character? No, that is... That's so you have Ryu. Yeah. 
I thought the character you were basing him on was the one that Ryu is based on. Like, isn't that the one from uh, Fist of the North Star that looks like Ryu? You're thinking uh, that he is an amalgamation of Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter. Sort of, yeah. So so Ryu Ken. And I'm pretty sure he said Ryu when he did something. Fist of the North Star character's name is Ken, Kenshiro, or he gets there's too much blending of similar characters. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the one to to deal with the elephant in the room, and then we can get right back to motivations. But I'm gonna call it out here. You guys can all go back to the first episode, and also our first articles on the website about Kenamonk stun Unicron, and Tony's, uh, you know, uh, activism against the monk class. And then Ryukin is, guess what, people? A goddamn monk. That's what he is. Yeah, can't wait for those stun attacks. You know? Well, it's very simple. I'm in a, be in a jungle that's 120 degrees in the shade. So I was going to either be a barbarian or a monk if I'm any type of warrior class. And I already just played a barbarian. So I, just, monkey I feel like you should have just been a wizard. I think, you know, artificer, ranger, wizard, we're probably fine. Druid. I, yeah, I mean, but good. I've also just been a wizard. So, and also, yeah. I want to, I want to stun the last boss for you guys. You know, <laughs> that ultra powerful. You know, when Azerak pops up and I'm shocked, cause I don't know who he is. I'll be like Kai Punch, and I'm like, oh no, you hit me dead square in my skull. Ah. <laughs> well, the monk air juggles Azerak and, de- and defeats him in two rounds. We'll know why Tony didn't want to let monks in this game. Uh, so and I'll, I'll just end, and I'll just do a skull drop. I'm like, I told you. I've ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing the long game. And that that is Tony's motivation. He's waiting until level 12 when he could be like, see, I told you I was right. I told I you this was a broken plan. Look how broken I played. Three years I've been telling you, and now I am proven correct. So I do want to bring this back. There's one other thing I wanted to kind of focus on that we had touched on about motivation. Motivations. We are we are talking about motivation though. We, you're seeing us as players. What motivates us as as players of these characters? Yeah. yeah. So this does all line up with what we're talking about because you need to understand this thing we're talking about here about why we're excited to play these characters and what they want to do is going on in all your players' heads. And if you can tap into whatever is going on in their heads about their characters and plug that into the game, then you're going to master motivation. Like then shit's going to run itself. So look for this. You know, look yeah. for. Like these things that excite us and lean into them and don't fight them. You know, mm. the worst thing you can do is to have your player be excited for a thing and say, well, my game doesn't let you do that. That kills motivation. So you want to lean into this stuff. But to come back to something we did, I think that's really right in this Tomb of Annihilation run through that epithet session zero, yeah. where we all sat down and we built our characters together and we talked about what we were doing and how they're going to work together. That also, like you were saying, Dave, gives you a chance to to really plug in and kind of see what motivates the characters your players are bringing to the table. So if you're a player like me, so unlike Tony, I will tend to want to do what my character would want to do. Now this isn't, oh, it's what my character would do so to excuse everything I might do. That's not what I mean, but I'm trying to role play everything through the view of, oh, this is this character and this is this character's motivations. So they might not want to go see the whole world. They might have a mission they're on. They just want to go complete the mission as quickly as possible and move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a different kind of motivation than what Tony brings to most games, which is open all the doors, dig up all the floorboards, steal every bit of gold we can. Now, not steal, but you haven't played a stealing yeah. character yet. Liberate. Liberate, liberate the gold but i think the session zero does really help you tune into that because we're going into tomb of annihilation we have all agreed we want to play tomb of annihilation so right there we've all agreed we're motivated to do this yeah. particular adventure we have all broad characters that have their own motivation their own backstories they have things they care about and we're all broke 
So we all need money. <laughs> so we all have, like, right now, Chris has it easy. Everything that, anything he wants the characters to do can easily plug into any of the motivations we have. In having a session zero lets you kind of establish some of that and watch what the what the players care about with the characters. I think that's a really good way to kind of build the motivation into the game. I mean, yeah. my character's really in it to the end unless someone tells him that them witches are immune to the stun condition. Because <laughs> that's going to totally demotivate me. We have not figured out what is your character's motivation other than breaking the game. Um, I don't know <laughs> that actually, making Chris's life a living hell. No, 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 no. Actually, he's a dex character. All of my characters have absurd strength, like that's my hallmark. And we even saw that in the game where Dave's like, Tony, quick, I need you to use your strength. And I'm like, yeah, I got a 12 strength, guys. <laughs> like, so this is being different. <laughs> yeah. Strangely enough, our uh, female druid is the strongest character in the class. So we are very, we are very diverse and we are very progressive with this. Yes, very but, but we're, none of us have very high constitutions, and yeah. none of us have very high strength. Yeah, we're like the giant, lack of the, tanking, the yes. almost eight-foot hippopotamus who weighs, like, 800 pounds has, like, okay <laughs> strength, right? Like, he's more of a Dex con character, <laughs> but yeah. But, he can carry a lot, though. He can still carry a lot because he's a yeah. beast of burden. I mean, I will say there is a reason that he's not as strong. So there is, like, it's, oh, it's we're gonna very find close, a like, not there? just number crunching. We'll figure it out later. I will say this is going to put a lot of stress on the Artificer's Crate Magic item ability, or the infusion ability, because we all want it to be like, oh, your gun gets the repeater function, which gives it plus one, plus one, and it makes its own ammo. We all want it to be like the magic uh, enhanced spell focus that gives my spells plus one, or giving a weapon plus one, plus one. That's what we want it for. What uh, we're going to need it for <laughs> is the bag of holding and the belt of giant strength. That's what we're going to yeah. need it for. <laughs> yeah, because... Uh... You know, I can still carry double my normal weight, though, so that's good. Yeah, my the, the belt of you know, we don't have anyone though who can like bend bars and lift gates. Like, no, no, one, no, no one's no one's like Andre the Gianting. We're in the jungle. In the We're in the jungle. You got to climb a tree or something. Yeah. Yeah, with the bend palm trees, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Thor, it's, that is a good point because you you were able to see exactly what was motivating us during that, and that's what I was attempting to craft with the frost main with the session zero, but the unfortunate thing with it, it's not unfortunate. It's just, it didn't work in the same way because they were so new to it that they, they didn't fully understand. So there was a lot of trying to understand the building of the characters where we're coming in, we can build all our characters, no problem. So we're talking about other things while that's happening. We're thinking several steps ahead, but it's a great point because you're going to see all the things that they want to do, at least for the first you know, a couple levels, yeah. probably, at least. You got your first tier built out for you already. So is motivation, I feel like we've covered a lot of ways to motivate your players through the early levels. Is this a problem in later levels, too? Or do you feel like once you hit, like, level five, the players, you should have laid out enough motivation to keep the players going? Absolutely not. Don't take that for granted. Mm. Uh, when you hit later levels, you could run into things like, well, I'm so powerful. Yeah. I don't really need anything. I've got a plus two sword. What am I really going to find? Plus three sword? Not really likely, you know. At that point, you hope that you've got whatever, like, sequence of combination of motivations that you could put out there that I said earlier really isn't the secret sauce for them. Whether it's plot, treasure, and character backstory, solving that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like a money thing or a or a 
I want even cooler magic items constantly, just a flow of them every second level. That would be nice, though. Ho- yeah, hopefully by that point, when you're in those mid-tiers to higher tiers, the characters have started to be motivated by seeing where this character goes and where this team that they've now created goes and where the story that they started to open up and now it's gotten real wide, how that ends now. I don't I, I don't feel like you need to throw as many trinkets out at them because, I mean, they're so powerful by that, by that point that the trinkets become just that. But the story and where their characters go and then some of the toy box of higher level abilities and stuff as well can become some of the trinkets. But the story itself starts to, like Thorin, you said, starts to kind of play by itself. It starts to feed itself in the motivation. They want to play it out. They want to see the end now. You know, I actually think you got to be careful with that. Because I think you can, you do hit a point where the players are motivated by something. Like, for instance, in the Curse of Strahd, we want to get Strahd. Phineas, and personally me, not super motivated by the story. Nothing to do with here. It's not, not a problem right, right. with anything you've done, Dave. But that is like, that is one of the things I find. I find it both in video game role-playing games today and in tabletop role-playing games. So for example, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I loved Red Dead Redemption 1. I felt like you could develop the character and wander around the world and be a badass cowboy outlaw. John Marston. I loved him. Red Dead Redemption 2 is boring the hell out of me. Because Red Dead Redemption 2 is set up totally differently. It is entirely story-driven. You're with a bunch of loser outlaws. You're supposed to care about whether or not they survive or get arrested. You're supposed to bring money back to help them build up the camp. You're supposed to see this story play out. In the character progression, you barely notice it. At least I'm finding I barely notice character progression. So I'm not building my character. Instead, I'm supposed to be driven by the story that I don't care about. Because it's totally, you're literally playing mm. the guy who double-crossed you in the first game. And the outlaws, oh. like, like your first character's in this game. Like, the, the like the young adult version of him is in this game and in the gang. And I'm like, Jesus, like, these uh. are a bunch of losers I should cut loose. What's going on here? Can I shoot these I guys? <laughs> Arthur was kind of John Marston's mentor, to be fair. But, but he double-crossed him, and I shot him as John Marston. I mean, like, you I don't did, know. You, I, did not, you didn't shoot Arthur. Hmm, oh, you did. I'm pretty sure you shoot Arthur. You were thinking of Dutch. We're getting real down the dot you kill. So I'm curious, Tony, did you play through Red Dead Redemption 2 all the way? Sure did. Did you like it? Um, yes and no. It was a beautiful game, a lot of fun, like the action. Uh, there was, I think you're hitting a very good point, though. So, yes, correct. You'd get to a point in the game where you're like, okay, here's our outlaw camp, and let's raise some money so they can have more stuff. And you, it occurs to you very quickly, you're the only person doing any goddamn work. Yeah, well, and you're supposed to care about this story. And I'm like, can I just turn all these guys into the police? Those are good points. <laughs> those are really good points. And Thorin, I agree with you totally, because it's like it's not the story of of the Curse of Strahd that I'm, I'm talking. Like if we take right. Strahd, for instance, this this campaign, what I'm meaning is by that point. So now when you guys are getting 11, 11, level 11, level 12, level 13, you know, when you finish out. You guys all have your own stories that have grown in that time. So I mean, in essence, the story of the characters, not necessarily what the adventure is. The adventure helps to drive that story. But the story of the characters individually and then also as this team, if they decide to stay as that, like where do they go? It makes me think of when we did the wrap up episode of Storm Kings and we all went round robin and said, where are where is Zhang now? Where are Roderick and Mina now? Right. Um, 
And it's more that, I think, on the higher levels, they you invested so much time in these characters that now the story of the because that's the story, really, not the adventure. That's the the mechanics to get there, the vehicle. But the sto- the story of the characters themselves and where do they go? And do you want to play that out or do they kind of just ride off into the sunset? Maybe they come out later when the city's on fire or something. Who knows? Right. Kind of like we do with Storm Kings where they're out there now and maybe they come back. Who knows? But that's also a good example, though, because, for instance, OK, so Zhang had his story. I'm like, OK, here's what Zhang yeah. does after it, which is Zhang goes on to become a mercenary warlord and carve out a kingdom for himself. <laughs> That's a whole other adventure right there. But no, one else in the game, but no one else in the game liked that. Like, I don't know if you did, but like several of the other players were like kind of like disappointed that that oh, was his no. story. They would not have wanted to play through that story. I thought that that was very much what Zhang, Zhang well, were you was to going to a recycling plant. I don't understand. I'm like, yeah, he's totally that's that's who he was tried and true. Yeah, but this but this is the point I'm kind of getting at, because sometimes the players don't care about each other's story either. Mm. And it came up, I think it came up in Storm Kings in some ways. When we t- we've talked a lot about that point in Storm King where I was asking, well, okay, so we got one of the things. Why don't we just go to the Ordning now? And and Tony's got this whole world he wants us to go. He wants to go to, he wants us to go visit all the giants. The and really, if you yeah. go visit all the giants, you play out the story. It did, that was fun. We did that. But my immediate reaction at that point in time was like, I don't know why I want to go do that. I have a mission. Zhang's motivated by this. Let's go skip to the end and knock this out. And the reason I was like, the reason the character wants that, and the reason kind of like I was asking those questions was in some ways, I'm most interested in what does happen to my character and how my character grows and develops mechanically. What new powers do I get? What new abilities do I get? What new magic items do I get? Mm -hmm. So, as much as you're right, Dave, because it is about the story of your character. I think you have to be careful how much you're counting on story to drive high-level players forward. Because in my experience, high-level gaming, a lot of times with Tony and Tony's friends, it is still the, I'm still looking for my Holy Avenger. I'm looking for wishes. I'm looking for this awesome item no one's ever seen before because the DM's going to create it and I'm going to want it. That mechanical aspect still drives, and it is kind of a character-building aspect and the kind of the old-fashioned 2E way of your magic items build your character as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think you need to have that, unlike Red Dead Redemption, which your character building is secondary to the story you don't care about. You need to make sure you're they're still developing interesting character mechanics and powers and abilities that make them feel cool. In addition to counting on them caring about the story and what happens to who. Yeah. And I don't think that no. I think only about half the players do care about that. I think the other half of the players are interested to see how cool can I make my guy. Sure. No, I think that that's fair, and that's very much what's at your table, because that's yeah. going to change a lot of what's happening. Uh, most certainly, but I mean, one of the problems with high level advancement, I think that uh, where the rubber really hits the road is when the players become powerful and they don't have appropriate challenges or the mm. DM starts going really late on the rewards in terms of what uh, items they can acquire or what they can do. Because you're like, well, hey, you know, I don't want them to get too powerful. That, that, that. I'm like, there is no such thing. I, I can't. Yeah. I, I, I had this discussion with, with uh, Dave's brother not too long ago. Like, well, the Marvel characters are so powerful. I'm like, I got this. I don't give a rat shit how powerful you are. I can concoct stuff to challenge and harass you. And if you do not come to my, if you don't go to my story, my story will give you a little oh, bit of break for a night or two. But it's coming to you. You may get like a night off. But it, like, two days later, it's pounding at your door, kidnapping Aunt May. <laughs> Well, I see. Uh, I think that this is also similar to what we see a little bit with Woodstock, too, right? Mm. Is that you have competing motivations and some motivations that are maybe marshmallowed out 
or some motivations that are not necessarily even clarified fully. So it's just kind of a go to, you know, let, okay, the next thing, next thing, next thing. Uh, so yeah, if you don't have any of those things clarified out, it can become very difficult because then you're, you're starting grasping at straws as to what are, where are we going and what are we doing? You know? Yeah, it is. I mean, cause there, there is a, st- there are stories going on there. Yeah. And there's things for the players to interact with, but we have hit several points where it's like the players don't seem to know what they want to do, or they'll say, we want to go this way. And then you come to the next session. And one of the guys is like, well, I wanted to go do this thing. You know, that's on the other side of the world. And why aren't we going straight to the end game? But kind of the same thing, you know, and that's a game that, you know, that was our first game in fifth edition that was intended to learn the system. That's really what, what I was. Right. For. Right. And so it's so like, there are some things with, that are like missing from it like that. Like motivation. Yeah, we didn't come in with, with, you didn't come in with an idea. You was, it was more just like, okay, we're just going to play. Yeah. And it, you weren't really, you weren't focusing in on, okay, I got to figure this out because 12 levels later, I'm going to have to be right. So, and that's it. So if you're, so what do we do there? So you got the, the DMS out there who they have their game running, they've had it running for a while. And they're like, okay, now I don't know what to do with the, you know, I can't do session zero now. I can't do, you know, their, their D and D poor. I mean, you could, you could just transfer them to another world where they've <laughs> lost all their magic or something. Like Thorne will tell you. I, I, I've that done that never happened. Yeah. I've done that before. Yeah. Um, you can do that. that but outside that of that, what do you do? I mean, and I don't feel like, it's not like it would suck that there's not definitive things to do. Oh no, just, there are yeah, there's a there's an end goal and there's a yeah. there's definitely a big bad that we are all aware of, but there was that that notion that we can't get to this person yet. We're just gonna be gonna have our ass handed to us. So we you know started to we started to do some other things, you know, investigate other stuff. Yeah. I mean, I feel like like there's stuff. Like I don't feel like I've been grasping at straws to build things there, but sometimes like yeah, just the player motivation, okay, I wanna do this or I wanna do that. And sometimes they're at odds within the same party. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you're trying to give them things like, for instance, um, they're close to a dragon's treasure. And it's like, how motivated are the players by getting a dragon's treasure? You know, for a while we had no magic items and I gave him a bunch of magic items. Now it's like, OK, cool. You, you kill the dragon, you get the horde. Is that motivating to this group? And what is? And sometimes we're kind of struggling for motivation in that group. And I do think it comes down a little bit to not, you know, we didn't do a session zero. I had just kind of wanted everyone to come together and learn the game in the first place. And it does kind of it does show up now. You know, it's not so much grasping at straws as it is just we never really clarified what else are these characters doing. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, so, yeah. Ironically, I don't feel like I like there's all kinds of things I want to do in that game. I don't think I'm going to get a chance to before we get sucked into the end game. I mean, mm-hmm. my character wants to go back to Nuskabi. He wants to see the king. He has to confront his old mentor. He has to see what's happening with his players. He has to save Orion's soul. Which is so what was him. happening there, Tone, right, is you're coming from another campaign in that same world with a table of everyone was experienced players. Everyone had probably run games at times. Coming with that, okay, I have backstory and I have my own self-motivation and I want to investigate the world. And then you come into so it's a it's it's completely different from if you have a lot of new people at the table who aren't sure even what is this game I want to play and now we're playing and it's fun but you know I don't necessarily know what I do twelve levels later I just you know I'm still figuring out like you know how does that bonus action work kind of thing so I think is that, that a reaction uh, yeah I think there's definitely you know that that shows up there where what we were saying earlier. Um, where like with Hawk Morgan and Phineas, I don't have to worry about 
your guys' motivations necessarily. It doesn't mean I ignore that stuff, but I don't have to worry as much about it because you're already coming as experienced role players saying, here's my motivation. You know, it's like an actor, you know, who's coming in and already knows their character and could tell you everything about the character outside of the cameo they did on the one episode, right? But they'll tell you where they went to high school and their first girlfriend, and you know. And it is like, you know, and like, so, and just to say, for Woodstock Wanderers, if you if you guys want to do something, Tony, you want to go back to Nuscovy and the group wants to go to Nuscovy, do it. You know, I mean, I, I always put the group in charge. Like, I don't, I'm not railroading you guys. You guys have an open world to go do whatever you want to do in. And I've thrown out a bunch of stuff to do. And it is kind of one of those things where sometimes it's like, you kind of, I feel like sometimes I have to lead them on because there's not I'm, a strong I'm motivation. I'm going to have to drug Tom like BA. And be like, yeah, here you go, buddy. Here's some milk. <laughs> and he wakes up, he's nuts to me. Oh, man. Was I was on plane. But with that said, that kind of fits into, like we were talking about Zhang's story, where yeah. Zhang was very... Very much saying, this is, I'm on a mission for my daimyo, and that's it, man. So I'm going to try to do this in the quickest and most efficient way possible, Sun Tzu style. So Tom's character, Sir Morton, is a great example because Tom is an intuitively great role player in a lot of ways where that is the whole point of Sir Morton. Sir Morton doesn't really want to be out there. So he's out there now. He couldn't he couldn't finish his first mission to to, to enough uh, success in his mind. So he's like, well, then I just got to finish out the final evil and then I can go back and finally fucking retire and they'll maybe leave me alone now. You know, and <laughs> like is, so he's staying true to that. You know, it, it, this, this is true. We haven't we haven't I don't know if we've ever discussed Sir Morton's backstory in detail on the show, but Sir Morton is a paladin who was part of an order of paladins who got in, worked his way up, he had adventures when he was younger, and then he basically just became the Falstaffian character who spends all his time eating and drinking and lounging around and, and, and not getting involved, like basically letting other people do the work while he enjoys the hospitality of his order. And they eventually kicked him out and said, look, you got to go do a thing. He eventually wore out his welcome in the in the order. They said, okay, you got to go do a quest. You got to do something. Or, or and, and what they sent him to do was to go rescue a uh, a star of the order who had gone, who had disappeared. And they weren't sure what happened to him. Turns out he had gone native and joined a cult. But that is like that character's motivation is, yeah, I want to get I want to I want to finish my quest so I can go home and get back to eating and drinking That's and sleeping true. in comfortable beds <laughs> and not having all these mosquitoes eating me. Yeah, very much. So it's very true to, to form, but it, then it does create that much like you were saying in Storm Kings, Thorn, where you have this little bit of conflict within the party because of that. So that's, yeah, it almost that's feels that. like in Storm Kings we have we have several characters who are kind of up for anything. We have and then we have kind of conflicting. I want to do this. I want to do that. So it's not like we don't have motivation in the game. It's that sometimes the motivations are at odds with each other. Yes. So we have some kind of some kind of confusion and conflict over which way are we going. Yes. Uh, which has a nasty habit of showing up sometimes in the beginning of the session. We've talked before how one of the tricks to improv is you get them to decide what they want to do at the end of the last session. Then you come together and you run that session. Well, when they decided what to do last session, you come back and one of the players is like, well, why aren't we doing this other thing? It, it kind of undercuts the trick. It makes a good argument. And we all go, yeah, I, I'm cool with that. All right. I, I can do well, but it, it doesn't usually work that way. It's usually kind of like, well. Because it's like the rest of you want to go fight the dragon, and he, you know, and one of the players wants to go kill the wizard, and it's, you know, it's it's just kind of at crossways, you know, it's 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 a, you know, which way do we go? You know, both and we're ways. not we're not good enough to do both yet, <laughs> <laughs> at least not at the same time. Maybe we just gotta split the party more often. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have enough players. I think you we could actually. Dave, he'd be split the party like freaking fraction time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody get a party and start doing We'll cover more ground. That was in Call of Cthulhu for a very specific day. Dave, you, I didn't Dave. Think there was uh. any problem. You don't think that the fucking antiquarian dealer is literally a ghoul, okay? Like, that's not your first thought. That's not my first thought. I know, know better it, now. Now I know it, better. Okay. It warms my heart so much to know that you did never saw the ghoul antiquarian dealer coming. No. Like when I can pull a twist like that, I feel I like I've know. done a good job. I'm literally thinking it's daytime. We're fine. Like we're in town. Like it's when you go outside of that. That's where I. But no, I. I have to yeah, read yeah more you got to have some trend breaks. You know? I got to read more. Get, love get, you got to have some tendency breakers in your DMing. You know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy who's been helping you all along. Oh, no, no. He's actually a giant tentacle monster. Oh, look at this. Oh, surprise. I was, that trauma I suffered because my one friend this stage was actually the emperor. It was a mess. That's when it's working well. I think that's what that's when that's when your game is working well. You know, when you do something like that and the players go along with it and don't start calling bullshit. You need the moment. You need the players to buy into the moment. And be like, oh, my God, we're in so much trouble. <laughs> That'll motivate them. Absolutely. That's the other way you motivate them. You threaten their lives. If the if, and if your players don't care about the characters lives, eh, you maybe have a problem. No, then it's a very easy to get into the session zero going because a TPK is undoubtedly imminent, imminent at that point. Right. Because. Yeah, take the healer down first and then just mop it up. And then, okay, guys, next time, well, let's think about some new characters. What do you guys want to play? What do you want to run? <laughs> I've heard good things about Tomb of Annihilation. Turning up the heat's trick sometimes is a very good tool, honestly, because like if you're coming off of a situation where the party's just, you know, swept or housed your other bad guy, then, you know... Then you raise the stakes in the situation like Thorne did uh, in the last game with his Demblech. And I'm like, well, this is absolutely not what I was expecting to see here. Let me check my belt. Three bullets left. Great. It's a great way to start this. <laughs> this will be good. You got to balance it. Yeah, I mean, and we've had that with this with this group, too. Sometimes sometimes the, the challenges get to be more than this particular group of players wants to play with. So there's kind of got to be that back it just forth. Sometimes it just falls in in the way where you get you get stuck in things that you weren't really, you were expecting certain things, but then it goes, something happens and it really, look, same thing is happening with Curse of Strahd. You guys went into the castle, you know, not having fully long rested. So some people, yeah, everyone was was fresh, but not maybe as fresh, right? We never talked about war, that, yeah. And the, gonna warlocks, bring up on the, podcast. the warlock's not thinking about it too much because he's able to short rest and get everything back. So it's just a different mentality. You get you, dinner's happening, shit goes down, and now you're in, the walls slam, you know, the portcullis slams shut, and you're in it to win it, and, you know, you're burning through divine smites and stuff, and where are you going to go? So in some way, it, it does turn up the heat, like Tony said, but it's like a, uh, we'll see, you know, but uh, definitely motivated now. That, that felt like such a gotcha moment, though. I'm like, hold on. Hold on, we're going to Strahd's castle, and none of you slept in the nice, comfy beds we had at the last castle we were in. It was like I have everything. My 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 sheet is full. You guys don't. I didn't know you don't. Our healers like half out of healing spells. We're going to see Strahd. What the hell happened here? To be fair, our healer never has healing spells. Like, let me just call you on that right now. Not never. Not never. Uh, I have a ring of regeneration. All right. Like, I was fine. Again, that's very much, you know, that's the 
when there's newer players at the table helping everyone along, you know, and uh, she's definitely done a lot better with uh, starting to understand how to play with Cleric more, especially a high level. So it's a lot to ask. I'm not, you know, I'm going to get wonder, like, was I not in the session before? How did uh, how did we not sleep before going to Strahd's Castle? Is uh, that the one thing we should have done? <laughs> because what had happened was when you guys ended after you went and faced down Vladimir Horngard and the Knights at Argenvolstholt, it was around noontime. And at that point, the carriage arrived outside. You guys saw it and decided to get in. And then it started, it it traipsed you back to Ravenloft. So you arrived there around 8 p.m. that night. I mean, I I just swear Thorne yelled party bus. And yeah, we all piled in. He did did yell party bus. I did. That was true. I mean, but he might have even as it, as it, some yeah. magic to create some uh, some flares and things. No, to tell you the truth, it was not. I, in all seriousness and all honesty, it was t- definitely not a gotcha moment. I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just like, "What do you guys want to do?" Kind of thing. We're we're moving forward, kind of. As a DM, <laughs> I would throw out there: you never want your party to go into the big bad boss battle without a long rest. I don't know. As I mean, the I DM, like, I don't care how it I sets feel like up it's the really, battle. I think it's really turned up the uh, the stakes, as it were. Uh, it up the stakes yeah. because they showed up half cooked. <laughs> well, yeah. I think you guys are going to do just fine. I think you guys are going to do just fine. Rods out of well, legendary shenanigans. So, in all uh, in all seriousness, you guys did quite well against uh, a powered up Strahd and the four Nosferatu and Rahadin and Escher and eight gargoyles. And a couple swarms of bats and rats. So, like, you guys did quite well with that. You know, thank God he has lair actions, or else it would have been a very anticlimactic uh, session, I think. But Yeah, he might be out of legendary resistances. Strahd is never out of legendary bullshit in his own castle. I'll tell you that. Lair I promise you that. Not, and he is not completely out of legendary. He has one left. I'm, I will say that. He does have one. So I believe that uh, Hawk was counting uh, incorrectly or counted one that wasn't or something but there's thinking wishfully yeah that doesn't uh but yeah that's uh but i will say again people with your big bands this is not about motivations but lair actions man Woo, check them out because they seem like they're not too yeah like oh well whatever they really do start to change the the battlefield and they're they're kind of fun to play with so check them out and and, and make sure you encourage your party to get a full night's rest before going in like make sure make sure because you don't want to kick their ass with the big boss and leave them any room to say it was bullshit (laughs) want them to come in with all their spells oh i I see what you're saying i see you i I threw the dust in your eyes kind of thing yeah it's like okay okay, we're we're fighting strad and we're not winning i'm like oh we only have half our spells what the hell that's not how you want to win that fight ah like it's, yeah that's that's how winners are made right there or right. or you all awake in crypts and you are it's gonna be a shitty christmas are too bright you know it's the sun no, is actually, i think bright. that sounds fun if that's how things turn out i'm, I'm, I'm playing that sure <laughs> now it becomes political we need we need to overthrow strad from the inside i'm down i'm down <laughs> with that that's fine we're taking them down from inside the call's <laughs> coming from inside the house <laughs> We, we're, we're running out of time here, so but before we get to the final thoughts, I wanted to just touch on, you know, we've talked about a lot of player motivation issues, but what are some tricks you have, specific tricks you would give our listeners for helping motivate their players 
uh, especially when it's maybe a little later on, you know, because I mean, early on, it's like it seems like a lot of DMs make that early on mistake, but early on is easy to fix. What if what if you're like midway through and you have this whole thing ready and they're like, no, like what are the tricks you use to reinstill player motivation? If I have a 10th level uh, group of players and they're not down for what I'm throwing out there, that should be kind of surprising because you should have a pretty good feel on, on what they're going for. You should have a, a kind of a decent feel. You know, perhaps the motivations have shifted, but, you know, by that point, you've had a lot of time with these players and their characters to get, to get a feeling. Is it gold? Is is it magic? Is it the items? Is it plot? Is it secrets? What combination of those things brings them to the table and goes, yeah, I want to go in this cave and I want to find X. That, for you, Thorne, here it is. You know what's great about Skyrim is that every one of those places you go in, every tomb, every cave, Every one of them had something in it that was worth your time in some respect. Maybe it may have been like a unique item that wasn't that great, but it was cool. Maybe it was a shout. Maybe it was a spell. Maybe it was a guy who'd open up a new quest. Something. Even just there was hundreds and hundreds of skills to until or, or perks to unlock from leveling up. The leveling system is very aggressive there. Mm. You know, you're usually getting a couple perks every every time you play through. I find. Uh, I am a big fan to tell you the truth of focusing on the player individually, as well as the group. Because like I said earlier, characters are the story and the adventures are the vehicles. So I, for me, I find, or at least what I'm trying to do, and it hopefully seems to work, is that I wanna focus in on the character because people like to have their time in the spotlight, unless they're totally aren't into the spotlight. But, you know, at that point, I don't think you have to worry about motivating them at that point. You know, there's <laughs> whatever. Right. But so focus in on their story and build some things that start to help them explore that story and help tell that story. Where is this character coming? Where is this? Why is this backstory important? Because how does it play into the world in a way that creates even bigger stories? Um, and like I've said before, that has happened now with Strahd for certain players have had. So Scar has had a lot of very focused story at times. Hawk has had some very focused story. Uh, Phineas has had things teased out. Uh, Little One has had almost zero story. And Fenris has had some stuff teased out. Rose has also had some stuff teased out and some focus on that, uh, especially with the Dusk Elf thing. But like my point, like if we ever continue on with Curse of Strahd. In some ways, unfortunately, if we don't, that's where I have a whole amount of very focused stuff on Phineas's arc that leads out of Barovia, if you ever leave out of Barovia. And there are things that will make sense from within the adventure that will do that. So that, that for me, that's, that's where I think some motivation. Focus in on them and let them start to build that character out beyond just the magic items and things, but the character in the world, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. The only the only tricky thing, in the, and we've talked about this before, I'm a little cautious to do too much focus character stuff because you run into actually, Dave, what you just described. Two characters get a lot of focus and the other characters maybe don't get much at all. And it's very hard to balance over the long term. So that's, that's it's a little tricky, I found, in balancing everyone. Like Even like you were saying, like Bonnie, you know, Bonnie's character, Little One, who is a pretty interesting character hasn't had any focus stuff happen with her at all. But that's which, interesting. That's kind of works, though, because I know the type of player. Mm. So she doesn't need that to be motivated, right? To, to do crazy things as little one, right? All I had to do was give her a wand of wonder 
I hate you. Right? And she'll play with that for the next 10 levels. I definitely attempted to do, and this is another thing, too. So with Fenris and Rose's character, I was throwing out, like I say, I'll always throw things out and see if anything comes back. There were very specific focused things that were there if they wanted to explore them. But if they don't, it's not something like, well, I'm sorry, these are the episodes that we have to watch through now. We have to see about, you know, Reginald Barkley on the, you know, the Enterprise. We just have to watch through these three episodes of this guy. That's a deep cut. Wow. <laughs> like it really that, is. Right? But he's yeah. right. He's right. He's right. It's, so they weren't great episodes, though, too. But it's the point, right? Uh, well, we just have to do this because it's part of the No. But if you want to play into that story, then it will move things forward. For, for me, one of the ways that I have found motivation later on with players is actually what we both talked about, what Dave, what Dave mentioned earlier, what Tony mentioned. Yeah, I've done this before. Throwing them into another world where they are suddenly power poor and magic poor and got to <laughs> drag themselves back up to the top somehow. Uh, I've done that. And that did shake the game up in a positive way. You know, I feel like since we, got, we kind of done everything we could in the core world they were in throwing them out elsewhere. And then in the process of that, they also like, this was happening in relatively high levels. So this was, this was basically transitioning from the, whatever the level is below Epic into Epic. And like when they hit Epic, they got bigger powers. and went back to their own world and dealt with even bigger things, but throwing them into another world where they were like the wizard lost all his magic, like basically magic was didn't work and they had to figure out other things to do. Players really rose to that occasion in that case, and that game really worked out well. And that was a way, I think, that's something that I think motivated a lot of the players very highly. So that's one trick I have used. Getting people to go somewhere, I think it's important sometimes to not just count on, and this is the mistake I think that gets made. You have the mysterious cave, and you're counting on the players to wander into it out of curiosity or out of just faith that something in there is going to be worth their time. And like Tony was saying, to Tony, it's like, well, the players don't want to go in it because they don't think anything is in there. I don't think that's exactly true. Like a character that has its own motivation doesn't necessarily jump at every other thing because they have things they want to accomplish. So if you're going to put in something and you're finding the players aren't kind of looking under the stones, aren't going in the mysterious caves, you're going to need to tell them directly why they should go in them. Someone's got to drop a rumor that something important is in there or an item of power is in there. Like the re the way I got you guys to go after the dragon was I told you there's an orb in there that's a legendary artifact that'll give you some cover. Basically, it'll hide you when you go after the Malbion. And... And we're still we are complaining also, about that. And we're also, <laughs> and we're also, since we're the wardens of the east now, we're yes. protecting our, our home, you know, yeah. because the dragon was attacking. And, I mean, know, and the, those, livestock those, and such. Those were the two things I ruled out for motivation in that case. It was okay. Yeah. So you guys, you guys got a new castle. You have, you have, you are the wardens of the east. You have this fort on the on the border of this kingdom. You are in charge of taking care of the force and having them guard it, but there's enough force there. You guys can leave. They can they can handle it. You hope. And then yeah, dragon started eating your horses, and uh, the, one of the towns was cleared out, and people had just left, and no one knew why. There was rumors of a giant lizard. One motivation one, you guys should go check this out because that's part of your job. And if you're good, you want to kill the dragon that's killing people. But I didn't count on that. Like some right. of you are going to be motivated by that, but I didn't count on that. So motivation two, there's this object you need to complete your big quest in his horde. Oh, and by the way, there's probably a lot more horde there. Yeah. So we have the greed. We have the object <laughs> to complete the main quest. We have the good player should want to stop this. We have the, this is your responsibility. So a lawful player should want to stop it. And I still don't know, you know, there's still some players who didn't grab that, but there are basically three to four sources of motivation there to get them to want to go fight that dragon. And the I think greed and the need. Yes. Greed, greed and, and the need. Greed, need, and responsibility, depending on, because 
not all players care about their responsibilities. A lot of people play because they don't want to care about responsibilities. Right. But they are you often they are often motivated by greed. Yeah. So there you go. You cover all your bases. <laughs> Done. <laughs> so that's that's my thing. Like, and I wouldn't build out anything. Like, I wouldn't build out a dungeon unless I had a unless I was able to do that to send them into it. Like, I wouldn't build out just the mysterious cave dungeon they might wander into because, at least with the time I have in my life, that would be a, that could that would be a difficult justification to waste that time and they don't go into it um on the other hand i know plenty of real video games do that all the time and it's a lot of fun you, you, you gotta you gotta manage your time though when you're dming mm. all right guys we have been going on for a little bit about this why don't we hit final thoughts about character and player and motivation so just because there is a low-hanging fruit doesn't mean the person walking by wants to eat it if that's the case that's still okay but the question is if it's a cave and it's mysterious, and you put it out there, and you're like, hey, why don't you want to go in there? Well, the problem should be kind of re- reverse looking at it and go, well, you know what? You guys, if you don't go in that cave, you're missing out because there is something in there that you want. You shouldn't have to sell that to them. They should be constantly on, look, on the lookout for things that fits their portfolio of what you know drives their character, at least ideally. Yeah, I would repeat what I said earlier. Um, characters are the story. So focus in on that. The adventure that you're going through is just the vehicle to help play out that story. Uh, session zeros are a great thing if you can do them, uh, because as we were talking about, they will tell you everything because all you have to do is listen. But even if you're not doing that, like Tony also said about, you know, Christmas gifts or, or whatever, birthday presents, Listen to what the players are talking about, what they are wishing for, what they are complaining about. They're going to tell you what might motivate them into, yeah. you know, what their what their character is looking for or what their team is looking for. So, you know, listen. Yeah, and that's probably the best advice at all. Just listen, listen to your players, spot what they want to do and try to feed that to them. Absolutely. So for me, final thoughts wise, I mean, we've hit most of the stuff I, most of the tricks I use for motivation and maybe not all of them work because there are definitely sometimes when I still feel like, God, I can't get the players to want to do <laughs> something and I don't really care what they want to do. You don't need to go into my dungeon. Just, you know, pick a thing sometimes, you know, it's just, you know, yeah, just I, pick I, a death I, trap. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I think that's a, that's, that's a fair criticism. You know, it is sometimes pick the form of your destruction. Oh, Ray. Wonderful. It's a stay puff marshmallow. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I think that, you know, knowing the players and getting to understand what they want is important. I think constantly having secrets they're discovering is important. And one thing we haven't talked about that I think is also a good trick. In 5th edition especially, players know what they're going to get as they level up, right? Mm. Your class is all laid out. You see it all when you pick your character and you know what you're going to get. So there's no mystery in leveling up. So leveling up is a drive. It is a motivation. But there's no surprises, which makes it less fun. You know, maybe it's just um, some players I'm sure will disagree with that. And some players I'm sure have it planned out and they can't wait to get that thing. So that is fun. But I think for a lot of players, having the total perfect knowledge of what's going to happen as they level up is not necessarily fun. So one trick you can have is adding in other things that come up as they level up. So, for example, you might have a magic item that levels up with the player and they don't know what's going to happen every time they level. So that's one more reason they want to go achieve your milestone or gain the XP because there's a surprise in there. There's a, to go back to Tony's gifts idea, you you can, you can basically have something where they don't know how that's going to play out as they level up. So that gives them a little more of a surprise. I often do things like that in my games, in the Woodstock Wanderers games, you have the God and powers. They don't level up with you necessarily, but the more people you sacrifice to God and the more powers you get. And you don't, I know what those powers are and the players don't. So 
there's that mystery. There's that unlocking of things they weren't planning on that is outside of the framework of the game. And I think sometimes that that extra mystery motivation, that miss those mystery powers that are breaking the rules. We talk about how things that break the rules are generally more fun than things that follow the set progression in D&D. Mm. Throwing in some stuff like that, I think, can also help with motivation. And there is a player in Woodstock Wanderers who has picked up some of those powers. And I do think that kind of keeps her a little motivated. Like, I think that does hook her a little more because what happens if you keep sacrificing? But there's tension because you don't want to keep sacrificing people to this thing. You hope. Well, you know, if she sacrifices a player character, that's a lot of XP. That's a lot of power. Oh, that's a, it's like extra powerful. Like <laughs> I mean, one of the PCs has shot her before. That's true. All right, guys, that's all. That's that's all I have. Any, any fun? Anything else you want to leave the leave the listeners with? Um, nah. There's no pressure because all three of us are running a Christmas game, and we just talked all the smack about our great listening and gift giving ability. So let's see what happens. <laughs> Well, there's always a trick I pulled last Christmas is at the end of the game, you have the sit on Santa's lap and tell Santa what they want, and then you interpret it. That was yeah, good. but you can't, that you can't do that good. twice. That was that, that was, that was, that I can't? was good. What do you mean yeah. I can't do that twice? You totally could do that twice. <laughs> no, that was good, but that's... Oh, you can't. You gotta, yeah, you gotta be you got to be ready, because they might uh, ask for all kinds of shit. I want a Jaguar. If you, if you haven't heard my advice from that, number one, be ready for the person who asks for world peace. Have that in your back pocket. Figure that out before you even sit come to come to the table, because someone's gonna say they want world peace. <laughs> I think I taught them like a, like a like a like a calming spell or something. Like there, you can you can make people calm. <laughs> calm emotions, right? Yeah. All right, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for uh, for coming and talking on the show. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening from home. Again, this has been another episode of Three Wise DMs. This was not specifically based on a listener question, but we do a lot of listener questions. So if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about, please send it to us at threewisedms at gmail.com. Go to our website, threewisedms.com, enter it in the What's Your Problem field, or talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're active in all those places, and we're constantly on the lookout for new topic ideas there. So we would love to hear what you'd like to hear us talk about. If you like what you're listening to, please hit the five-star rating button, tell your friends, leave a good review. That all really helps us grow. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs. <laughs>